0: Part Four of *Under the California Sky* by Charles Francis Saunders. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part Four: The Deserts in Palm Canyon. One afternoon of early March, Dutch Jake, the prospector, blew into Palm Springs from the Little Morongos he undid the packs of his three burros turned the animals loose in somebody's abandoned field back of the schoolhouse and set up his cone-shaped miner's tent among the mesquites near the post-office then he borrowed a dutch oven from a man who was camping near the same centre of life and news and prepared to enjoy the sweets of civilization for a season he was a stout little figure of a man and his english was a cross between that of weber and fields and hans brightman i have located some pretty good prospects in dem little moroncles he remarked comfortably as he crossed his short legs and loaded his pipe "On't i might have been up to los angeles on't sold out at a pretty fair figure over i always make one damn fool of myself in dat town unt lose money so i thought i'd jist come here and give de burrows a chance to browse a bit and soak myself in dem injun springs yonder for my rheumatism it only costs two bits every time you go in and you can stay as long as you please Und my gott i can afford dot so it happened that when we decided to visit palm canyon and camp there for a day or two we were referred to dutch jake as the man likeliest to transport our outfit pulum canyon eh yes i have been oop pulum canyon already a good many years ago it wasn't no good then and it ain't no good now that is for mineral won't the water gets bad in summer time when the snow hath all run off the mountain over now you can drink it well enough you wants to make some pictures eh well some peoples does that all right i take you It'll be fifty cents a day a piece for de burrows, Unt my time is worth something to tent camp for you, ain't it? They make it two dollars unt a half a day for the whole outfit. I pack your stuff on Jinny and Chapo, unt de lady can ride old Jack. Me unt you will walk, mister, what you think? The price did not seem out of the way for what we were to get, so the bargain was closed and by seven the next morning the kayaks of the two pack donkeys were filled with three days provisions the blankets and sylvia's little mattress were roped securely on top the shovel the axe the rifle and the canteen were hung ready to the hand if needed and we were off i feel as though the bottom of thirty centuries had dropped out and we were back in the time of the patriarchs laughed sylvia when perched upon old jack she saw the desert open before her i staff in hand trudging along in the sand at her side as she rode what a morning it was the dewless coolness of the spring night was still in the air and the sun felt good upon our backs birds were singing in the boughs of the mesquites upon which the first tender green leaves of the year were just appearing the subtle fragrance of the pink which covered the ground in places with sheets of vivid color filled our nostrils with delight sylvia and i sang together the duets of our teens and Chapo, in whom eight years of desert life had not quenched the frolicsomeness of youth, cantered playfully down every declivity of the trail and kicked up his infantile heels at the bottom. Even Jake, stumping along in the rear of the cavalcade, smoked the pipe of contentment and found nothing to grumble about except for those occasional ebullitions of friskiness on chapo's part the donkeys were deliberate travelers and jake being rheumatic and sixty was not the man to hurry them so the sun was well up the sky when we finally left the open desert behind us and passed into a sandy gulf that swept in between gradually narrowing walls of burnished granitic rock towards palm canyon's mouth the trail steepened, the sands grew heavier and heavier to the foot, and the intense midday heat, unrelieved by any breeze, not only blazed down with torrid fierceness upon our heads, but was reflected upward from the scorching sand into our blistering faces. The burros drooped their patient heads. Even Chapo forgot that he was young, and devoted himself strictly to the business of getting there. Jake perspiring at every pore mopped his red face with his redder bandanna and swore softly got in emu dis is disagreeable he observed then we climbed a final ridge of rock and sand and descending a broad sunny way all glorious with purple lupins and crimson monkey-flowers with golden eryphilums white desert daisies and mottled mojavias we came to the mouth of the canyon of the palms where a cool breeze fresh from the snowy summit of the great mountain came out to greet us and the sound of water flowing amid reeds fell like music on our ears in another moment the dripping canteen was passing from lip to lip and the burrows lined up at the edge of the stream had plunged three white noses deep into the flood it is an impressive sight that confronts us when our thirst relieved we began to look about us a sight more suggestive of the orient than of the united states palms palms everywhere varying in size from the seedling growths of a single leaf or two clutched like fans in the fist of earth to stately veterans of centuries whose slender tapering trunks rise straight as arrows into the air to a height of ninety or a hundred feet each summit crowned with a great tuft of green fan-shaped leaves rippling and glistening in the sunshine which habitually pervades this open canyon the older trees are bare of trunk to within a few feet of the verdant crown where a fringe of dead foliage hanging head downward forms a picturesque brown thatch beneath the green the young palms are thus thatched to the ground looking as though clad in brown petticoats here as beneath a mother's protecting skirt the small animal life of the canyon in jake's classification is prone to hide itself for a distance of nearly two miles these tropic groves fill the bed of the gorge which is so tortuous however that to get an idea of them in anything like their entirety one needs to clamber up the canyon's bare side no very difficult matter there from some vantage point one may look down and watch the winding procession of the palms as they crowd out from the mountain's inner solitudes and follow the course of the hurrying torrent till trees and water alike are swallowed up by the all-consuming desert few other trees besides these grow in the alkaline soil of the stream's marge and none at all on the barren rocky sides of the canyon which rise steeply towards the pines and snow-fields of the mountain summit ten thousand feet above with the scorching memory of the desert still fresh within us we find it a heavenly place in the cool shadow of the palms and beside these crystal waters which drop now in musical cascades and now are gathered in still pools reflecting their sedgy fringe now flow in open sunlight and again are lost in quivering beds of cattails and rushes and thickets of gronso Wild flowers of a brilliant hue brighten the tiny sandy beaches that form here and there in the shelter of the great rocks. Flowers of compelling charm, yet in this out-of-the-way part of the world, so unknown to men that most of them are nameless save in the harsh lexicon of science. A faint fragrance like tuberose fills the air, the perfume from millions of tiny blossoms of a leafless mistletoe that makes witches' brooms in the mesquite in such an environment we made our camp botanists have given to the palm which is so characteristic a feature of this canyon the name of washingtonia in honor of our country's first president and it has been extensively introduced as an ornamental tree throughout southern california where it is a familiar object along public highways and in private grounds to the indians in the old days it served a number of purposes the leaf-stalks furnished material for bows the leaves themselves made a staple thatch for wickiups and were utilized to some extent also in basket weaving but the great service of the palm to the red man was as a yielder of food the fruit is a small berry-like body consisting of an exceedingly thin layer of sweetish pulp enveloping a stone which is almost the whole thing it is borne in slender clusters depending from long pendulous stalks thrust out from amid the leaves reminding one of gigantic bunches of chicken grapes a forest ranger who dropped into our camp one evening a graduate of some eastern university and exceedingly pleased to have someone to talk to had a good deal to say about the palm and the indian you see he remarked sipping with extreme relish a cup of tea which sylvia had brewed for him adding to his astonishment a slice of lemon before the government got to cooping them up in reservations and making up their resultant deficiency of food with charity donations of bad flour and what not the indians on the root hog or die principle had developed the food value of the desert flora to a wonderful degree the koriya indians for instance who occupied this part of the desert discovered a way to get nutrition out of these palm berries which a white man wouldn't think fit for his pigs as i understand it each family owned a certain bunch of trees and every year when the fruit was ripe the whole lot of them from the grandfather to the latest papoose would go on a picnic to the canyon and camp under their trees just as the piutes do in the central sierra nevada when pine nuts are ripe then with long poles made by splicing shorter ones together they battered down the hanging clusters by the bushel and gathered them into baskets some of the fruit was consumed fresh on the spot but there is not much to eat outside the stone, and most of the harvest was carried home, dried in the sun, and then pounded in a stone mortar until the kernels of the pits were ground to meal. Now there was a queer thing about this Indian business, he continued, lighting his pipe, while Jake threw some fresh wood on the fire, and we all watched the cheerful glow rise and fall against the blackness of the night you may have noticed that every big palm you have seen in the canyon has the trunk more or less blackened and charred indicating that at some period in its life it has been on fire that was indian work for some reason or other the coahuillas had a fashion of periodically firing the trees which could be easily accomplished by putting a spark to the hanging dead leaves and that is why the older trees are all bare of trunk while the young ones are thatched with the dead leaves, as nature intends them to be. Now, the question is, what were those trees fired for? Some say it was simply with a view of increasing the fruitfulness of the trees, just as my old grandfather down in Maine used regularly to burn over his blueberry patch to improve the crop. Maybe it was. There's nobody to tell us now. The ranger paused while he puffed hard at his pipe, which had almost gone out, there are some old indians in the reservation at palm springs remarked one of us why doesn't somebody ask them maybe somebody has and maybe they told him what i've just told you but after a man has knocked about the southwest for a few years he finds that an indian doesn't tell every tom dick and harry of a white man all that he knows this is particularly the case with anything touching his religious views and rights and fire is very closely associated with these in the life of the desert indian now there is another explanation of these burnt trunks which connects them with a religious rite and which foolish as it may seem is to my mind entirely in keeping with the indian's attitude toward the world of spirit when a man dies the indian thinks his spirit has a long journey to take in order to reach his final home his happy hunting grounds this in a desert indian's view is naturally a hard journey sandy sunny and hot in the progress of which the soul will cry out mightily for shade so on the occasion of a man's death what more natural than to set fire to one of his trees, in order that its spirit, thus released, may accompany the spirit of the man and refresh him with its cooling shade as the burning sands are crossed? I have always been friendly myself to this explanation of the burnt trees, for Indians, when it comes to the question of spirits, go the whole figure and believe that even the inanimate objects of nature have personal souls within them. "'And why shouldn't they be as near right as we?' said Sylvia, sympathetically. A strange tremulous sigh shivered down the canyon, and the wind which had suddenly risen swept in a gust like an impalpable football kicked by some invisible jinny of the mountain past our camp. It stirred the fire into a momentary fever of brightness, and rolling on down the gorge died away in the distance.' instinctively i put out my hand toward the gun the fire-flame unduly stimulated sank down and out and again that tremulous sigh was uttered from the upper darkness does that convert you to the kohuia religion asked the ranger rising to go had the light been better we could have seen a twinkle in his eye it is the voice of tauquitz demon of the night wind demanding a victim now you know why no Indian can be persuaded to be out on San Jacinto after dark. Doth all imagination, remarked Dutch Jake, shaking out his blankets and hanging his hat on a bush. He was ready for bed. Don't you peoples know an owl when do you hears him? End of Part 4